Hey, song surfers, welcome to Song Surfing. It's your friend John. Song Surfing is a bi weekly playlist of independent music pulled from the far reaches of the internet. Song Surfing is a part of the Live from the Lincoln Lodge podcast network. Head over to thelincolnlodge.com to explore the other shows on the network and to learn more about the venue that's home to the nation's longest running independent comedy showcase. Song Surfers, on this edition of Song Surfing with Friends, I'll be joined by pianist and composer Inky Bjarni. And I am so excited to have this artist on. Uh, This is going to be a little bit of a different format than our usual Four Friends episodes. Normally, the friend brings in some other independent artists to play, but I am just really captivated with Inky's music. So uh, we're going to focus entirely on, on that catalog. So here's a bit from the bio. He builds collaborations that challenge and excite, including projects with friends and colleagues in the Scandinavian countries he has lived in and whose open artistic culture is closely entwined with that of his Icelandic homeland. This singular musician's focus produces original works which, while informed by jazz tradition, Nordic folk song, and electronica, rise up from a wellspring of meticulously shaped imaginings, ideas inspired by relentlessly searching improvisation, as well as the people he interacts with in daily life, and also the wonders of the natural environment. After attaining a bachelor's degree in jazz performance at uh, Den Haag, uh, which is the Hague for the uh, Americans the ne- in the Netherlands, and a, master's de- and a master's degree in composition from the University of Gothenburg with exchange semesters in Copenhagen and Oslo, Inge Bjarni went on to perform at numerous jazz festivals around Europe. He has released multiple albums, including piano trio recordings, uh, Skarkeli and Fjundish, uh, which means the meeting, which invited listeners into a realm of spatial freedom and vibrant expression and the quintet recording and we featured a track from this recording the recording was called tanking uh, which means connection from 2019 and we played the track kensky blues on song surfing episode nine so go check that out if you haven't heard that yet it's an awesome composition in spring of 2020 he received five nominations for the icelandic music awards for that album and was named the most promising icelandic jazz artist His latest album, which we'll be talking about today, is called Lessons, and it's his first solo piano album. It's piano music in an undefined style and is a reflection of the lessons learned in 2020. Released along with the album is a collection of sheet music, so you too can learn to play these excellent compositions. And Song Surfers, I can't wait to hear about how this album came together because it's phenomenal. You really have to go listen to it if you haven't yet. Hi, Inky. Welcome to Song Surfing. Thank you. Thank you so much. So to start off with, uh, you know, I've never been to Iceland. It sounds like an amazing place. Uh, what's the music scene like there? Uh, I would say it's very, uh, uh, there's a lot of creativity here. Uh, and uh, in different genres, and especially maybe in pop music and, and maybe experimental pop. Uh, but of course, it's a really small country. We are only three hundred fifty thousand. So, uh, but still, you know, Reykjavik is a capital. Is the capital of this country. So, even though uh, we are quite few in the city, it's still, yeah, like in all capitals of the world, there is has to be a music scene with stuff going on, and and of course, uh, a lot of foreigners are also involved with the scene here. Uh, as musicians or or producers and uh, 
visit festivals here like Iceland Airwaves. And uh, so, yeah, I would say it's uh, quite quite lively scene here. Now, do you primarily play jazz gigs? That's kind of how I know you as a jazz musician, but is that right? Yeah, I'm mostly in the jazz and uh, improvised music, I would say. Uh, but it happens that I'm called in for uh, playing a pop gig with a singer or something, but it's not really my uh, artistic path, you know. So, yeah. Sure. And are there uh, there are some jazz clubs, uh, venues for that that type of music? Uh, yeah, there are. Uh, one is like uh, in the concert hall, which has like weekly uh, jazz events. And uh, there's a new bar now in town, which has jazz every week. No, every day, I mean, which is uh, great. And then there is also Menke, which is more for experimental maybe more improvised music than uh, jazz per se so so for the, yeah. the people who are really into hearing musicians do their thing yeah 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 excellent how excellent. did you get started playing music well it's a bit of a uh, maybe strange story but I don't know I I was like many kids uh, uh, my parents wanted me to study piano and uh, but at the time I wasn't really interested in playing uh, I was just playing this typical classical uh, music and repertoire and uh, yeah I, I was just totally not interested in playing uh, but but then uh, when I was maybe around 16 <clears throat> I discovered uh, Jazz and Herbie Hancock and Keith Jarrett and that kind of ignited the spark for me to to play really so yeah uh, that's how I feel in my opinion I really started to play music but, but before that I was just uh, I don't know executing music in front of the <laughs> piano yeah so it was a uh, Herbie Hancock Keith Jarrett yeah it's interesting to hear you say that because I I especially can and I don't know if how accurate you feel this is, but like I, I feel like I can really hear the Herbie Hancock uh, inspiration or influence in your music, just in the way you you phrase things, the way each phrase really seamlessly builds into the next. Everything sounds ah. very melodic and compositional. Thanks. So you start. How old were you when you started playing piano? I was seven. Yeah. Wow. So you toughed it out for nine years before jazz uh, woke up the artist inside of you. Yeah, I was playing in. It was like this classical music education. I was like on and off. Some sometimes I took a break, and but then finally at seventeen, I kind of really got into it to play music. Now, was it a lot of technical studies? Did you have like strong technique from that classical background? Would you say? I would not not say so, and uh, I I sometimes think, uh, oh uh, wow, I should have continued playing classical music. Then I, my technique would be better. But uh, I think that if I would have done that, I wouldn't be the musician that I am today. So I'm just uh, uh, I work with what I have, and maybe my technique will get better someday. <laughs> Yeah. So, how about in uh, in college? You 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 studied composition at some point. I have never really directly studied composition, uh, except maybe the 
the last years there in the master education. So no, uh, I, I'm kind of self-taught when it comes to composing. That's incredible. And my method. Yeah, thanks. How do you go about writing a composition? Uh, well, it's a big question. Yeah, there are. I have I have some ways to do it, but, but I think the most common way for me is to uh, sit down by the piano and just improvise. And this, that impro improvisation may come from something. I may be inspired by something. It can't be whatever. And I just sit down and play. Or I'm just improvising and having fun. And often uh, I uh, I often sing with what I'm playing by the, at the piano and uh, as a kind of method to focus. And uh, But this singing is not uh, something I do always. But then when I have found some idea I like or something just comes through me with, oh, oh yeah, this is cool. I recorded on my smartphone and then maybe that song idea lies on the smartphone for two months or even a year or more uh, and then I maybe go and look at it more as an editor months later and I check this song idea and oh maybe I can do this and then I'm getting more analytical about maybe I should change this note or do something with the harmony, you know. I, I would say like I'm. I divide the composition process first. I'm like the creator, where I'm just creating freely, just like a kid, you know, just playing. And the second phase is the editing phase, where I'm more like uh, more uh, theoretical. Yeah. When you bring it, uh, when you're playing with a with an ensemble, when you bring it to the band, I imagine that yeah. the composition continues to evolve. For sure. Yeah. I have actually had that experience to bring a quite uh, pre-arranged piece to a group of people I didn't play so much with, uh, and uh, they completely destroyed the song, but destroyed it beautifully. <laughs> and that was like a revelation for me. Okay, maybe uh, like uh, it's also you know, uh, but I shouldn't always my. Uh, vision of a composition isn't always the best vision. So in their hands, they destroyed it really beautifully and it became so much better. So I always keep that in mind that that I want my music to be kind of open. And if some people can open it up more than me, I'm, I'm very happy. So, but it, it actually takes this type of uh, attitude I didn't have at the beginning, you know, for years, I was like, okay, this is how it should be, like I was telling to the band members, but it's nice to have, let it be organic, and uh, if, if that's a good word for it, I sure. don't know. Like, uh, Well, yeah. when did that switch happen, when you, you were moving more toward the, I guess, the collaborative way of doing things? I guess that was only in 2017, maybe. Uh, before that, I was more like arranging what every band member should do and have a very clear idea about everything. But Wow, okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm mixing up the titles here. One of your albums, I think the title translates in English to Connection. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I guess that that makes sense, right? Would that be about the time when you had started to look at it more as a evolving communication with the other musicians you're playing with? Definitely. Uh, but this thinking is also referring to my connection to them as musicians, this quintet, and uh, my uh, willingness to keep that connection going on because they live in different countries than I am. So it had like different meanings or yeah, reasons, this title. How do you even, um, if they're, they're, everyone's in different countries, how do you arrange even something like a rehearsal? We just uh, this summer, actually, I went to Sweden to rehearse and then we all met in, in, in Sweden. So it was we had like an intensive uh, rehearsal days for four days or something. And it works, but of course, it's a, uh, it's a struggle in a way uh, to not being able to meet them, I don't know, every week or something. Uh, but I, I, in a way, I think it's also something nice comes from that struggle. Like we approach the music differently, like, I don't know. There's almost a, 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 a more intensity or a, a rawness. I imagine you're you're on high alert, right? Like you're really listening more than if you had had more time and settled in and had been playing with people for whatever, years or for multiple gigs. Yeah. When I had asked you, uh, you know, what sorts of things you'd like to talk about, you'd mentioned playing with other musicians who are from other countries and the challenge of getting everyone together. And I'm just thinking about whenever I've tried to play in bands, I live in the city in Chicago, mm -hmm. and yeah. my friends that I'd want to play with live in the suburbs. And even <laughs> driving an hour away was a challenge to coordinate. You know, I couldn't imagine if I had to drive a, 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 across the sea to get to them. Yeah. Or uh, fly, rather. All right, so Lessons is musical depictions of lessons that you learned in 2020. So what, what were some of those lessons? Actually, they, they are very uh, personal. Uh, I had some tough stuff going on in my life. And uh, that's, that's also, I think, my why I create music in a way. It's, it's a thing for me to process some things which are happening in my life. And I think I do it kind of not consciously. I just create, yeah, I think it's not the conscious decisions to sit down at the piano and compose it's more like a, a meditation or, or vitamins for me just to create and and 2020 was a very difficult year personally and and uh, i really grew as a person i developed really uh, yeah, understanding of certain aspects of life and and that was besides the pandemic and all that so it's quite a tough year so let's talk about some of your compositions so the first one that I'd like to play for the listeners is Sense. This song wasn't actually composed in 2020. It's like uh -oh. well, <laughs> one of the songs which was earlier, uh, but uh, it had a very stupid name to begin with. I called it Mau, which is Icelandic for Alauf, and uh, I don't remember why. But when I heard this song in 2020 again, I was just going through my old compositions and and I could, I could really, wow, I could really sense something that this song had a uh, character which appealed to me also for that uh, for that year, 2020. Uh, and I changed the title to Sense and uh, decided to include it on the record. And it's about sensing things, 
sensing, you know, maybe for me as a performer, sensing the piano, sensing the sound, instead of thinking, I was quite of obsessed, it's not the right word, but I was like, had this idea that as a performer, I would rather sense the music than to be thinking about it, to make consci conscious decisions about everything, being analytical and all that. So, yeah. Well, I imagine Sensing. that's the that's key to the experience, right? I mean, you're playing solo piano, you're collaborating with yourself, or you're probably yeah. highly attuned to the, the environment. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we're going to listen to Sense and Impulsive, and then we'll come back and talk about those. Okay, Ingi, talk to you in yeah. a minute. All right.
Hey, song surfers, we're back, and I'm here with Inky Bjarni. First in the block, we heard the composition Sense, and after that was Impulsive. Inky, to my ears, you've developed a, a very natural compositional style to your improvising, and the phrases on all of your tracks, but I think especially on Impulsive, this, this thought came to me. The phrases transition in this really wonderful, and you had said organic earlier, and that's exactly the way I would describe it too, organic way. And it doesn't sound to me like you rely on licks or cliches or your favorite melodic patterns that, you know, Herbie Hancock played or whoever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really on display in Impulsive. Could you tell us about that? Yeah. Uh, funny that you're mentioning licks. I've never been a fan of them at all in my uh playing in my jazz also when i'm playing more jazzy stuff i i and transcribing like many jazz musicians are transcribing solos and licks and you know taking something from that and etc but i always felt that i had to create something of my own and an own approach and own style and whatever doesn't have to be something groundbreaking but just like my own way of approaching the piano and, and compos composing and uh, in impulsive, I like this melody. It's it's a bit like going places, but that are maybe not expected over kind of a staple thing in the left hand. Which at first I was uh, imagining, oh, this is maybe like kind of a singer songwriter thing in the left hand, like a, as if a guitar player was playing simple, you know, riffs. Uh, oh, and then singing over it. And and as I mentioned before, a lot of my melodic lines come from singing and impulsive as well. It's interesting that you say that it starts off with almost like a, did you say pop, pop guitar? Yeah, yeah. And it seems to have this um, like circular form to it, right? Where it starts off with the basic chord progression, then the melody continues to develop and you hear these different variations on those patterns from the beginning and it gets... Mm -hmm more intense, you start to go a little bit outside with some of your ideas, uh, outside a key, you're trying uh, different rhythms, and then it comes around to maybe like a different version of what it started with. Is that something that you developed through improvisation? Was that a, a conscious effort that you made? How did how did that come about? That I would say was would be more of an uh, later in the process. The like revision stage of things? Yes. Uh, that I would say, but sometimes those things happen naturally for me, but in Impulsive, that was not, it was more uh, often thinking like a composer, like yeah. afterwards, you know, what is the idea and how can I expand on that or, or you know, make variations with it. Your inspiration for writing music, does it usually come from an emotional place? It's uh, quite... Uh, yeah, this subject for me is a little bit because I I realized not so long ago actually why it's I'm it's so, quite easy for me to come up with ideas and uh, be inspired. This is quite personal, but okay, maybe I will just tell about it. It's like my mother had a really difficult life, and this summer she passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. And I think uh, uh, a lot of my creativity comes from uh, being the son of my mother, in a way. 
uh, I loved her very much, of course, and but she had her difficulties, and and maybe crea my creativity is my way of dealing with some things, uh, which I won't go into further. So, sure, we get into on the podcast um, composers and songwriters. <clears throat> we get into process and where inspiration comes from, and that that does come up a lot. Uh, that music is a way of personally processing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And one of our uh, the artists that I, I recently interviewed said that often when she writes a song, the, the meaning isn't always even apparent to, until later, right? Like yeah. she'll listen back a year later and go, oh my God, that's what I was writing about. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it, this is exactly how it is for me. Like many of a lot of music I'm composing, I don't really know uh, what, it, where does it really come from, and what does it, what is the meaning of it, and why have I created this idea? For example, also uh, a song which is on my Quintet album, and I, I was always wondering, I named it "Ballad for My Fearless Friend." But it also now, like two years after that, that record was released, I know why I named it. But at the time I was coming up with this song title, I wasn't really sure why. <laughs> like, why did I name it this? Uh, and I always at concerts, I was like, well, I don't really know why I named this song this. But now I know, actually. Uh, it was your subconscious mind communicating with you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I think... Yeah, I'm just a weird guy, I guess. Like, I don't know how sometimes my mind works and how my creativity works, to, to be honest. Uh, Have you ever seen, I think there's a TED Talk video. There's a, a number of videos out there that talk about our brain on music, you know, how the different regions of the brain communicate and how the different synapses fire when we, when we play an instrument or sing or mm -hmm. compose. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's something there, right? Like it playing music and i imagine writing music it gets your brain working in different ways and gets <laughs> gets to different different parts of your thinking working together and i think sometimes it happens on a on a level that we're not always aware yeah, of for sure and also maybe uh, now something i want to add that i'm in daily life i'm quite a you know thinking person like organized uh, analyzing things you know kind of on this, isn't it that the left spectrum of the brain, which is more like that? Uh, sure. I, I think know. it's like that. I don't know if it's still valid to talk about the left and right brain, but then when it comes to music, I kind of get, you know, lose myself and I'm not that uh, thinker anymore. Like I'm not that organized analytical guy. <laughs> so that's my kind of other, yeah, other me. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I was looking on your website, and you have a duo series on YouTube. That actually came up in the COVID times. I wanted to do something. I was very bored, and uh, <laughs> uh, I wanted to play. And so, yeah, I invited some guests first to my home, and then I had like a little concert series around this. And and uh, the idea was to discuss music and, and especially improvisation and uh, yeah, composing process as well. Something like we've been talking about here. It was a, also a way for me to challenge myself to play with different musicians in a duo, 
because I like that to be make things hard for me actually because that's where the way how I develop. Uh, so it was a nice experience, and it's it's uh, subtitled everything in in English, so listeners can check it out if they're interested. I like to ask the guests for some advice. So can you think of any compositional, songwriting, creative, anything for uh, for the audience, for the, those that do uh, creative endeavors? One of the big best advice, I think, is that every idea works. And sometimes we get so attached to an idea, emotionally attached in a way that we think it's not a good idea. But like give it a year and listen to the idea again and it, there might be something there which is quite nice because often we are so too attached to our ideas and sometimes it's nice to become detached from them for a while. That's in a nutshell how I work with a lot of my from a lot of my compositions is, is that and uh, you said you do the voice memo recording on your phone. Yeah. I, uh, so you record I, and then come back to it at a later time. So that's part of the process for you. Yeah, I have to admit I'm sometimes too lazy to come back to them. I have like eight <laughs> eight hundred uh, ideas like this. It's like I don't know. Yeah, that's a lot. You're gonna have to hire an assistant. Yeah, it's overwhelming. I don't know how I how how I will work on this. As for improvising, and you were mentioning earlier that uh, it's nice to have, when improvising, to think of it that it is a composition, that the music which is coming out sounds like it's pre-composed, but it's an improvising. Uh, it, it is an improvisation. That's something I a kind of an approach I learned from my uh, now late teacher, Misha Alperin, who's a Ukrainian uh, pianist composer, really an inspiring musician. So he was always telling me uh, this to uh, improvisation should sound like it's composed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can definitely hear that in your playing. There are a couple questions about your, uh, your album that I, I forgot to ask you, if we could circle around back to that. Yeah. One thing that that was different about this album, right, is it was a solo piano recording. Mm -hmm. Now, had you been planning on doing that anyway, or was that because of the pandemic? It was actually an idea I had like in late 2019 that yeah, maybe I should do a solo album, but I never really wasn't sure I would do it. But And it's kind of a cliche, I guess, to be a pianist and release a solo piano album in the pandemic times. <laughs> but... I did it and uh, I'm very happy I did. It is actually a scary thing to do because there's so much piano music out there. But I just had to, like, it's a matter of confidence, you know. Like, I also, just by doing it, I had my own way of doing it, not trying to compare myself to Brad Melta or, or all of those giants. Um, so before that, you had, all your recordings had been um, quintet, quartet, trio? Yeah, yeah. Format. Do you feel like your playing's changed now, having done the solo album? Yeah. Um, and also, it was, like uh, you mentioned, I also released sheet music along with the recording. And what I actually did, I was listening to my playing. Some of the music is 
I had on, written down on paper, but some of it I actually had to transcribe myself. And uh, that was very uh, interesting. I don't haven't done a lot of transcribing, but like this, I could really see very clearly what I'm doing as a pianist. Um, there are certain things now I know that I do, uh, and it's nice to be aware of it and try not to let it uh, uh, control me or like, you know, have a groundbreaking uh, impact on me. But, but it's just nice to be aware of some things I'm doing sometimes, like kind of signature things, if it's possible to call it like that. Yeah, what uh, is one of those things? I don't know if it's possible to describe. For me, it seems to be that I like to play one line in the left and some more chords in the right. That's something like, for example, in Impulsive, it's like just one line. So no chords in the left hand or like a bass line or something. And then uh, it seems like I like uh, thirds. Minor <laughs> thirds is a thing I, in my composition. Uh, I love of... that that's, that only becomes apparent once you transcribe yourself. Isn't it interesting? But of course, I think like doing this definitely strengthens uh, my capabilities as a pianist now when I enter a, a band environment, you know, because I did the solo piano thing. So maybe I will do more solo piano music someday. Like, um, but like, it's, it was cool. I would love to hear you have um, play an experimental album. That's what I actually have had in mind as well. Uh, and But what I want to also maybe add about this piano album lessons is that the, the way I recorded it was over two days in a church with a nice grand piano and everything. I was completely alone there. And in some ways it was nice, but also quite difficult just to be completely alone. And sometimes I didn't really get into a certain uh, attitude maybe that I wanted but it's okay but uh, for an experimental album I think I would actually want to record it at home to invest in some good microphones and have the piano just ready and then I, whenever I'm in the right mood I will just press record and play little by little I will have an uh, album of experimental solo piano music by, by recording it in that way, not in like a special two-day thing in a church somewhere. Well, I can't wait to hear that. That sounds interesting. So we're going to play another track of yours. And I don't know how well I pulled it off, but I was practicing. I was on the uh, Google Translate site typing in the titles of your compositions and uh, just trying to get everything as close to authentic sounding as, as I'm capable of doing. But I just couldn't get this one. Can you help me out with how to say the title? Uh, this is actually a Danish uh, bicycle route in Copenhagen. So oh. they, they say Havneringen. So I'm not sure if I'm <laughs> saying it right myself, but I think it's like Havneringen, something like that. Okay. Yeah, tell us about it. I was thinking about Copenhagen when I wrote this piece because I used to live there for uh, five months and uh, I always cycled on this uh, bicycle route. And when in Copenhagen, I was more uh, exposed to experimental improvised music. And it can't be heard in this piece, Hanering. And I go quite, I think it's the most experimental piece on the record, I think. 
I go quite like uh, very colors, uh, very out there kind of thing. So yeah, it's a tribute to Copenhagen in a way. This song, <laughs> Copenhagen, and the experimental music that's there. Yeah. Um, how did you? Why? What? What brought you there? You said you lived there for five months. It was part of my master's education. Uh, oh right. And, okay. Yeah. So I did like this Nordic master. So I was studying Gothenburg in Sweden, Oslo in Norway, and then Copenhagen in uh, Denmark. Very wow. cool. All over. Yeah. That's great. Okay, so uh, to close things out, we're going to hear that composition. What's the title one more time? Havneringen. And is there anything else that you'd like to, uh, before we wrap things up, anything else that we should cover, or is there anything you'd like to plug? Listeners are welcome to follow me on social media. I'm actually quite lucky that all my social media accounts are Inki Bjarni in one word. So I got very lucky with usernames. <laughs> uh, also, I have a website, inkibjarni.com. Uh, I will have a new Quintet album next year. So you can follow me and and uh, be informed about that. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening and having me here. I am so happy to have gotten to talk to you. And Song Surfers, I, I've been buying Inky's albums on Bandcamp, so that's that's an option for you. And I'll be linking to the links that he gave me in the show notes page of songsurfingpodcast.com. Inky Bjarni, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you so much, John.
Hey, hey, that music means it's time for me to say thanks for listening to Song Surfing. And thanks to Inky Bjarni for appearing on this episode. Remember, you can find Inky's links over at the episodes and show notes page of songsurfingpodcast.com. You can follow Song Surfing on Instagram and Facebook by searching Song Surfing Podcast. I don't know what that was, everyone. I'm slipping into like a smooth jazz radio voice or something. I better sign off before I slip into a a case of podcast madness. But before I do, just a reminder, folks, that I'm looking for more reviews for the podcast. So if you like song surfing, follow, rate, and review. I feel so dirty saying that, but seriously, it really does help. Um, I, I, I've heard that it helps to make the show more visible, but I think the main thing is it helps, uh, spread the word. It helps legitimize the podcast. It makes people take a chance on it in this day and age where every corporation has a podcast, every celebrity and comedian has a podcast. It's harder and harder to find your small, your independent podcasts. So help a podcast out and, uh, go review, please. I have that linked in the show notes, so just click in the show notes on the podcast player or over on the episodes and show notes page. Okay, friends. See you next time.